Welcome to the Closeness Podcast, your new sexual education. My name is Tari, I'm your host, and today we're looking very closely at a subject that has plagued us all. How do fights and conflict in relationships start? Where does it begin and what can we do about it? Why do we let ourselves become our worst in front of those who we love the most? Whether this is your first time here or you are a regular, this episode is going to be a little bit different from the norm. We're not going to be speaking about particularly sexy things. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. It's not a how to make her come better episode or how to locate a G-spot, but it is an episode that is very important because a lot of us fight, bicker, and get into disagreements that could otherwise be avoided. It is, of course, okay for any of us to get upset once in a while, but I do believe that we can minimize the amount of time that we spend in argument, feeling pain or insecure or sadness. And don't you hate it when you find yourself in a silly argument or a trite fight that goes absolutely nowhere, no one wins and everyone feels bad in the end? And then it's even worse when it keeps happening over and over again or we're instantly triggered. Then that just turns into more back and forth nonsense until you wind up resenting the other person. But somehow you're still supposed to love them, be with them, and spend the rest of your life with them. These arguments feel so important in the moment. We will fight tooth and nail or fight to the death and then the next day or the next week irrelevant. Can you remember the last five or ten things that you argued about before your last argument? So you don't have to live crisis to crisis, putting out one fire after another and constantly be in a state of disarray. Are you allowed to get upset? Of course. Can anyone put an exact quantity on how often you should or should not be upset? Of course not. But if you find yourself getting upset with your partner multiple times a week, or God forbid, multiple times a day, We've got to do something about it. And so one of the first ways that conflict gets a hold of us is through repetitive infractions that never get addressed or never get solved, or your partner never listens to you about it. They don't respond to it well, despite your continuous asking for it to stop. It's often something that your partner is or is not doing that's affecting one of our basic needs. Or sometimes we don't speak up about the problem, so we expect our partner to mind read what's going on. We expect them to know what we would have liked them to have done. We use expressions like, you know, if you really loved me, you would have shown up. If you cared about me at all, ever, you knew I was over here, you knew where I was, you should have come, even though I told you not to. And even though I said never talk to me again, or never touch me again, or never come near me again, you should have still come. If you really loved me, you would fight for me. If you really loved me, you would chase me. So this type of mind reading is a simple non-starter. But once someone's primary needs don't get met, a dozen times, two dozen times, and by the way, this could be the feeling that some needs aren't being met. When it happens over and over again, then it just becomes a trigger, an activation. Then someone just sees red or gets angry or hurt or resentful or upset because the other person isn't listening to or honoring a request that's been asked of them over and over again. Now, the first tool that I want to share with you today is something that you are all going to be familiar with. It's extremely obvious, it's easy to recognize, and it's just a start, just sort of a primer for how we can address conflict when it first begins. This isn't going to immediately work for everyone or work every time, but if there isn't a ton of resentment or if this is just a mild argument, it's helpful to keep this in mind. Everything that we say or do, especially when it involves another partner who we're intimate with, is going to carry either a consequence, a reaction, or a response. 
It doesn't always have to be negative. In fact, it doesn't have to be something negative at all. But anything that we say or do to or with our partner is going to carry some sort of a result or effect or consequence. In essence, we're talking about the law of cause and effect. And so in the context of conflict, usually one person always has a choice. Someone goes unconscious first. Someone has a bad reaction, a poor reaction, an inappropriate one, a rude or inconsiderate or condescending one, and then we're left with a choice. Do we explode? Do we react? Or can we take a breath, an actual breath or 10, and consider what we're going to say before we say it, which may just be one of the hardest things in the world for some people to do, especially if you're in relationships where someone is triggering you all the time. But what's the alternative? Staying connected in this incessant back and forth bickering that is embarrassing to do publicly, shameful to do privately, and really never gets anywhere? Think about if you've ever heard two people bickering in public. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. It doesn't matter even if it seems grossly in the man or woman's favor. Still, it's grating on the ears. Nobody wants to hear it or be around it. So one of the first things you can do is not just eject or run away, but get out of the situation in a healthy, respectful way so that your partner knows what's happening, not just leaving and driving away. It's incredibly important to not make your partner feel like you're abandoning them. So you can say something like, let's pick this up at a different time, or I'm going to take five or 50, or I'll be back in an hour. I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you, but this is just too hot to touch. And we both know this is the best thing to do. Oftentimes, if someone tries to bring things out and says, let's just relax, or something funny actually happens in an argument, but then you get right back to it, or someone says, hey, why are we doing this? Let's just relax. Let's just chill together. The other person's like, screw that. We have to burn it all down and jump right back into the flames. So it's important to know if you're dating or involved with someone like this, you might make regular overt attempts like, let's be positive or let's focus on something else, or let's just go to dinner, or come here, let me hold you and love you, or you crack a funny joke, and then they say, you're not taking me seriously, or you're not listening, or you said this, this, that, and the other earlier in the day, or they bring something back into focus. So when someone's really plugged in like that, they're a little bit unfortunately helpless and on a rant or a tirade. Once again, it's best to do some damage control and not engage, 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 and argue and try to just excuse yourself until you can come back to it and hopefully communicate more effectively about it. So one of the best ways to handle it is for the person who is more conscious to take one deep breath or five deep breaths, no matter how hard it is, resist engaging, hold back, and consider the price that you or your partner may pay for saying that thing or doing that thing that's going to turn the whole entire thing on its head. So you ask yourself, does saying this nasty comment or this insult or this passive-aggressive remark or this mean thing where I know it's going to get him where it hurts. Is it worth messing up our relationship? Is it worth another fight? Is it worth keeping us in a state of disconnection? Do I have to tack on to every single text message some snide remark? Do I have to finish every single message with something like, but you don't care, or you don't love me, or you never do this or that, or I tried to blah, 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 but you blah, 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 blah. You want to ask yourself, does complaining, fussing, just pointing out, just trying to be right, just trying to win the argument, just trying to be accurate, does doing any of that help the situation? 
and we all know the answer is hell no. Does making an accusation or insinuation help? In other words, suggesting that your partner is doing something must be cheating. You didn't call me back, so you must be doing something wrong. I didn't hear from you, so you must be abandoning me simply because you didn't answer your phone in the moment that I called you. Or are you tolerating something over and over and over again that your partner is repeatedly doing to you, refuses to change, you've asked them a million times, you've pointed it out, in fact, they even say to you, oh, you say that all the time. You sound like a broken record. I'm tired of hearing this all the time. Sometimes in cases like this, you need to ask yourself, is the juice worth a squeeze? Do I even want to stay in this relationship? Or is there a different way to attack this? Or do I need to go get help, professional help, a coach or a therapist? You know, what's going to make the difference if you're just banging your head against the wall? So are your words doing something to support the relationship? Sometimes, no matter how conscious you try to be or think that you are, no matter how calm and present you think you are, sometimes your partner still isn't going to give in or relax or allow any kind of win or any kind of closure whatsoever. They're going to stay fussy. They're going to stay stewing. They're going to stay in a taliating, aggressive, angry, shut down state. I still submit that it's a good idea to keep your energy clean, light, and positive. Not fake positive, because that's really annoying. I love you. Have a nice day. Okay, sweetie. Haha. Pretending that you're not hearing what they're saying and just saying stupid compliments as though you're not in the middle of an argument. That's not helpful either. It's never useful to put a happy face smiley sticker on an empty gas tank. But sometimes remaining calm and neutral, even though that does infuriate some people, many times it can help soothe the relationship. Because of course, if you give in and you're going to bump heads, you're going to start arguing. No one wins during that type of situation either. Some unique individuals enjoy and take pleasure in provoking, arguing with, and making their partner look bad or humiliating their partner or taking revenge on something they think they should or simply just stirring the pot. Some partners like to push and stick and dig and poke the bear because they like hurting you. If you're with someone like this, you may want to consider if your relationship is right for you. If you have someone who is out of the blue and for no reason, putting you down all the time, making wild accusations, insinuations, implications, and accusations, if they're constantly assuming that you're doing things that have never happened and you've never dreamed about doing, and then behaving as though you actually are doing those things and treating you as though you have, this is also a major red flag in relationship. And of course, it's not always about just breaking up or taking the easy way out. I know many of you are married and you have major commitments. You don't believe in divorce or you have children and a family. It's understandable. However, sometimes there is a time and place to ask oneself, do I want to sign up for a life of misery, arguing, and unhappiness that feels like you can't get away from pain, or is there a different way? Okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different here that I haven't done on a podcast before. And for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be speaking about and giving you examples of destructive behavior in a partner. Things that people do on purpose to hurt you or unconsciously to hurt you, ways that people defend themselves. And it's not pretty. It's not easy to listen to. I'll give you that. So there's about 20 full minutes of this, all the way up to around the 30-minute mark. You'll see the time signature in the notes if you want to jump around. I recognize it's not easy to listen to. It's not fun to hear. You may hear yourself in it. You may hear someone else or a lover or your partner in it. 
listen to a few minutes of it, and if it becomes too much or too heavy, you can bounce around, but it is literally 20 plus minutes of examples of the way people interact in relationship that are pretty crappy. I know it's hard if some of this hits home, but maybe it inspires a change. What is the change? How do you act differently? Well, the simple answer is try doing the polar opposite of these examples. So the simple question I'm going to use is, would you ever want to be with someone who? For example, would you ever want to be with someone who uses extremely subtle, difficult to read communication? And here we go. Would you want to be with someone who is forever incapable of simply answering a direct question? Someone who's stubborn and doesn't give in even when they know they're wrong? Someone who, if asked a very caring and sincere question like, how can we make this work? What's eating away at you? What can I do to make this better right now? How can I listen to you and support you? May only ever give you answers like, I don't know. I told you already. We went over this. I don't want to repeat myself. I already told you last night. You weren't listening to me. You don't listen. If you don't know and you can't figure it out, then you must be an idiot. If you can't figure it out yourself, I can't help you. If you don't know how to answer this, I don't know what to tell you. Someone who might drag you back into the fire after every single positive affirming statement of yours to keep you engaged with further arguments. Someone who constantly derails the conversation and takes it off track into things that you're not even talking about when you're trying to address the matter at hand. Someone who refuses to acknowledge truth and fact, even if presented right before their eyes because they feel differently about it, or you're not considering their feelings about it, even if they're blatantly wrong. Someone who expects their partner to know that when you throw a temper tantrum or behave poorly or freak out, that you want your partner to give you the opposite of that. Someone who constantly has double standards. Someone who expects you to chase them fight for them, follow them by being mean to you. Someone who truly expects you to read them or read their mind, knowing their body language and understanding exactly what they're going through without them ever having to speak it or by demonstrating the polar opposite emotion. So might say things like, lose my number, don't ever talk to me again, I never want to see you again. But what they mean is, come chase me, pursue me and show me that you won't leave me and show me that I'm worth it. Would you like to spend the rest of your life with someone who purposely and connivingly throws out manipulative tests? If things are going along just fine for an hour or a day or a couple days, they just come along and rip that equanimity right out. Someone who pokes around just to see what would happen, just to stir the pot. Maybe someone who loves to ask questions who they actually don't want the answer to, they're only asking to see how you react and what your answer is and to compare and contrast against things that you've said before. Or would you like someone who assumes assumptions, implications, accusations, insinuations, but they never ask you a question. They never say, did you do this bad thing? Or were you in this place at that time? Or what happened last night? Or can you tell me a little bit more about how this happened? Someone who can't go a week, a day, or sometimes even an hour before they have to mess things up on purpose or point out something that's bothersome, or make a statement that they're insecure about, but will deliver it in a way that makes you seem like the bad guy, or you the one who's causing the insecurity. Someone who will issue tests, and when you become wise to them and don't answer or direct the conversation somewhere else, will continue to hammer and seethe or assume that because you didn't answer the question that therefore you must be guilty. Someone who is hell-bent on the truth, 
and thinks that you are always lying, no matter how honest you are, and no matter how sincerely you speak from the heart, the only answer that they will accept that will make them say, aha, finally some honesty, is if you make up a lie and tell them what you think they want to hear. This is psychological warfare. Someone who will create a story in their own mind that has nothing to do with reality or has nothing to do with your behavior, believe the story that they've spun or the feeling that they're feeling and begin to act as though it's reality and even treating you as though you've done this thing without even asking if you did. Someone who plays games or who sets traps or who asks you the same question repeatedly in different ways over and over. In other words, if they ask you something like, did you do this? And you say, no, I didn't. And they ask, are you sure? Are you sure? Come on, do you want to be honest with me and tell me the truth? Are you sure you're sure? Someone who cherry picks their negative responses so that if you give five reasons in your defense as to why you didn't do this or that or why you weren't here or there, they pick the one word or the one item that doesn't really line up or maybe you misspoke about one little thing and they use that to invalidate your entire argument. Someone who takes one item out of your communication and focuses on it, blows it up, hammers on it, and makes it the focal point for the entire argument instead of hearing you out fully. Someone who behaves and responds in a way that is completely opposite of how you are interacting with them. So if you say, I love you, they hear I hate you. If you say, I can't wait to see you today, they say something like, no, you don't, or that's not true, or if you really did, you would do this or that, or they just shake their head no. If you say you're coming over, they say, oh, so you're not coming over then, right? If you say, I'm going to come over and see you right now, they say something really bizarre like, you don't have to, or I got it, or that's okay, you don't need to, but then still expect you to show up. Or maybe they even tell you not to come or not to do the thing and then still carry an expectation that you do the thing. You say you're truly sorry, they say you're not sorry. You say I truly apologize, they say there's nothing that you have ever apologized about. Someone who assumes or insinuates that there's always some sort of hidden meaning in what you say and that you're never just actually being sincere. Someone who can't survive, receive, or feel into a compliment without completely deflecting it, shaking their head, resisting it, or not letting it land. Someone who abuses communication where they say, that's not what I heard, even though in crystal clear terms you said the complete opposite of what they heard. Someone who responds to your truthful, sincere, honest communication by saying, well, that's not what you said earlier. That's not what I heard. That's not what you told me before. That's not what I knew to be true before. And is forever someone who's forever questioning you, who never lets it rest. Someone who insists that whatever they think they heard before in the past is the end-all be-all truth so that if you clarify how you feel or you say, no, that wasn't actually what I meant or what I said, they say, no, no, no. It doesn't matter. This is what you said. Therefore, this is what it is. Someone who doesn't allow you to ever amend what you said before or clarify something that you said before. Someone who takes zero responsibility in a fight or argument by using phrases like, I've done nothing wrong, or this is all you, or it's all on you, or I've done nothing to deserve this, yet somehow is convinced that you've done everything wrong. Someone who has total unwillingness to put themselves in your shoes, but when you push the subject and show them, hey, if you were in this situation, what would you do? They say they would actually respond the exact same way. Someone who can't possibly imagine 
how they would feel in this situation or that circumstance because it's never happened to them. So they can't use their imagination or use their mind to imagine how they would feel if they were in that situation. So they use phrases like, I can't answer that, or I wouldn't know, or I have no idea, it's never happened to me, to demonstrate a lack of empathy, for example. Someone who never speaks what's on their mind or speaks up about what they want or asks for what they want. <laughs> Someone who will treat any person that they communicate with in public, a friend, a stranger, an acquaintance, even an enemy, with more love and care and respect and smiles and honor than they will you. So they can immediately shift from being respectful and sweet and kind to the waiter and then just abusive and downtrodden and negative with you. And then immediately when the manager comes by to say, hello, how's your meal? Oh, it's wonderful. We're having such a great time. And then back to you and it's negativity, negativity. Leaving, slamming doors, disappearing for one to three days, vanishing, ending everything because of something small or trite, having some wonderful, connected, amazing intimacy, and then in the moment that it's over, leaping out of bed to start some terrible fight about some insecurity that got triggered while you were just cuddling or talking, never being able to actually articulate the words, hey, that really hurt me, or what did you mean by that, or did you mean to say this because here's how I took it, or better yet, someone who never gives their partner the benefit of the doubt, Someone who always assumes that their partner has malintent or their worst interest in mind. Pushing and pushing and hammering and hammering on a subject to accuse you of something, but then when you defend yourself, they say, oh, I'm done talking. I don't want to explain myself. I don't want to hear any of this. None of that's true. I already went over this. I don't want to repeat myself. I don't want to regurgitate a fight or an argument. I don't want to go back in the past. I only want to move forward. I don't want to hear anything you have to say about this. I'm wrong. You're right. And of course, my personal favorite, I'm not going to argue with you when you are literally simply responding calmly to something that they said. Someone who will push you and push you till your wits end and provoke you and provoke you. But then when you have a negative reaction, such as getting upset or raising your voice or saying some unsavory things yourself, then, oh my God, how dare you say these things about me? I'll never forget them. I'll never forgive you. I can't believe you would say such things. How dare you? That one is usually followed by the individual completely forgetting their role in the argument or the discussion, completely forgetting what they said, and then moving forward weeks after, they only say things like, you were so mean, you raised your voice at me, you said this or that about me. Someone who minimizes all of their frustrations and anger so that when you ask them how they're doing, they say things like, I'm fine. It's fine. It will be fine. I'm tough. I'll get over it. Okay. I don't care anymore. Leave me alone. But then exploding or feeling resentful later on that you didn't know what to do in that situation. Someone who is constantly available to other people but can never ask for what they want. Someone who will bend over backwards, sacrifice their own health, sacrifice their well-being for others, but is almost humiliated or ashamed of simply asking for something small that they need. Someone who makes everything about them or is completely selfish and only asks for things that they want and is never available to help other people. Someone who's always the victim. Someone who makes accusations about you doing something, but then if you simply respond or try to defend yourself, they say they don't want to hear it, they have no space for it, they're turned off, you're lying, I don't believe you. 
someone who repeatedly goes on and on about a subject that bothers them. But then when you try to address it with them peacefully and lovingly, they may mention something again like, I'm over it, I don't want to talk about it, it doesn't matter. I oh, just want to bring you all back to reality here for a moment and let you know that this is optional to listen to. These are very destructive ways to communicate with people and you do not have to sit through this. We've probably got uh, seven, eight minutes more of examples of how not to communicate, of how you don't want to communicate with someone. Feel free to jump forward or continue to stick it out. Someone who stares and glares anywhere but at you when you're having a conversation and who refuses eye contact at all costs by stammering or squinting or gazing out the window or refusing to give you eye contact or who can't hold eye contact for more than one second. Someone who likes to amplify their negative energy so everyone in the room or the restaurant can feel what they're doing and put pressure on you to feel uncomfortable and basically humiliate you. Someone who clearly is showing publicly how unhappy they are, but when you try to softly communicate or maybe touch their shoulder, it's don't touch me and leave me alone and I don't want to talk about it, making it look as though you're in some kind of big argument. Hinting at something that bothers you, but when your partner talks about it or explains his side of it, completely unhinges them and then they don't want to talk about it ever again because they're looking for one answer that is likely something that you're not doing. Someone who may quietly listen to all of your points to your argument or your dissertation or your answer, but will never ever concede that anything you said is true. They'll never say, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, I see. Oh, thanks for clarifying that. They will be immediately preparing their defense to retaliate to you and show you how wrong you are. Someone who listens to everything that you say, and even though you are putting the ball in their court, they simply say, okay, and never address the issue at hand. Someone who may experience mistrust for you or always think you're up to no good, but has never caught you in anything or never has a good reason as to why they may feel this way. Someone who is constantly vague or vacuous or acts confused by anything that you may say to them. Getting nervous and uncomfortable when someone speaks to you in a present, calm, collected way by getting on your phone, looking down and pretending you're doing something else. Someone who constantly deprioritizes their partner by always talking about how busy they are. Someone who randomly chooses a time of day to call their partner just because it occurred to them to do so and then is infuriated when that partner doesn't answer, doesn't respond, or doesn't get back to them immediately regardless of what might be going on in their partner's day. The I called but you didn't answer syndrome. Someone who assumes that all people are one way from one gender, for example, the men are trash sentiment that currently everyone seems to be speaking about. A partner who doesn't ever want your help always thinks they can do it on their own, struggles sometimes to do everything on their own, and is deeply resentful about it, but doesn't ever ask for help. For example, someone who brings 10 suitcases to the airport insists on doing it themselves and will even hurt themselves in the process just to prove a point or show how independent they are. Someone who holds back from their partner and lies to them because they think they're being mysterious. Someone who always assumes the worst case scenario is true, even though all of the evidence suggests otherwise. Someone who's always upset or bothered by something. Someone who never notices in retrospect that all of their previous beliefs, feelings, accusations, and insinuations that were actually wrong 
might inform future behavior and perhaps offer them the ability to be a little more lenient or loving or open-minded or expectant of a better outcome. Someone who never apologizes for things that they accused you of. Someone who assumes that because they can't reach you or you're not in their immediate presence or you're in your car or you're at home or you're driving or you're in a different location that you must be doing something wrong. Never taking ownership of a situation, never taking accountability or responsibility, never being able to apologize. Someone who thinks they're in a committed monogamous relationship with you, but absolutely loves showing off all of their sexual ornamentation online and to others and publicly. Someone who likes to shame you for being insecure and not being able to handle them while they walk around with their sexual ornamentation dangling or hanging out. Someone who gets violently upset if you're upset or bothered about something so that all the attention gets turned back onto them. Someone who loves to play the victim card by saying things like, I guess I can't do anything right. I'm always doing something wrong. Why even be with me? I don't even know why you like me if all these things bother you. Changing your beliefs and thoughts overnight about your political issues, thoughts on abortion, how to raise children, whether you want kids or not. Changing these beliefs on the drop of a dime, but then making your partner wrong for still feeling the way that you used to agree with them as early as yesterday. Someone who, for example, doesn't want children and then finds a partner who doesn't want children, then waking up one day realizing you do want children and then chastising and breaking up with your partner because they don't want children. <laughs> Someone who prioritizes their emotions and how they feel as their exclusive guide to whether they are globally right or wrong and insisting that nobody could possibly be right about this if they feel differently about it. Someone who, anytime they feel negative emotion, thinks that their intuition is talking to them and therefore making you a bad idea or a bad choice. Someone who may insist to you that a good relationship is all about communication, but every time you go to communicate with them in an argument or a lover's spat, they immediately shut down or cannot communicate with you at all. Someone who flat out hangs up the phone on you when they're annoyed or doesn't want to talk to you. Ah, and someone who constantly asks destabilizing questions while they're in the other room or on the phone or via text message without ever making eye contact with you, but then in the moment you go to answer them is extremely dismissive and condescending. Changing the subject to something else and otherwise making it impossible to speak about the very thing that they just asked you about. Whew, you made it through. 20 minutes of bad behavior, and it wasn't even everything. So I'd be remiss not to list a few ways to communicate that are productive, that are useful, and that are helpful. So would you rather live in that universe, 20 minutes of all that stuff, or would you rather live in this one? A world where communication is clear, friendly, direct, clean, sincere, concise, loving, upfront, rational, based in reality or based on facts, upfront, honest, authentic, non-sugar-coated, healthy, respectful, considerate, and caring. A world where if we want or need something, we speak up about it and ask for it directly. A world where if we're hurting, we let the other person know immediately how we're feeling. A world where when someone asks you for something, you actually get a clear, direct answer as opposed to a manipulative game or test. 
A world where if someone feels bad for what they did or knows they did something wrong, they take ownership of it and apologize. And then they actually change their behavior as opposed to just saying, my bad dog, my bad, I own that. And then going right back into the same behavior all over again. Communication where intimately someone asks you what you like and you're able to respond with an honest answer without expecting them to mind read. So it's obviously a bit of a rhetorical question, but which of these two communication styles do you think would lead you to more happiness, more fulfillment, and a more successful, loving, connected relationship? Obviously, the choice is number two. No matter who you are, no matter how you were raised, no matter what you may think about other people and communication, we all need to become a little more vulnerable, a little more clear, honest, direct, upfront, minus letting our emotions completely run us and get the best of us. Another way to think about how conflict sneaks its way into our lives is to imagine a couple who's getting along absolutely famously. They're spending a day together and everything about this day has gone phenomenally well. They've been intimate, they've been close, maybe they've slept together, they've eaten well. But then out of the blue, magically, and also seemingly completely unprompted, something will suddenly occur in one partner's brain, a negative thought, something parasitic. It will likely, and almost always, without fail, take the other partner by surprise. They won't know where it came from. It'll be unexpected and will seem completely unrelated, and sadly, it will likely totally derail the conversation, vibe, or incredible afternoon that the couple is having together. And what's important to understand here is often this commentary comes out of nowhere. It comes from nothing. Or better said, it's something that one partner is running in their mind over and over and over and over again, and then they just spring it on you unexpectedly. It might be important to the person thinking it, but if they compare the energy of this beautiful day and how they're getting along, it doesn't make sense to say it, but they can't help themselves. So imagine yourself, you're in a situation where you're in bed together, or you're traveling, or you're driving in the car, or you're gazing lovingly in each other's eyes, and then suddenly your partner will say something, think something, or feel something that seems completely disconnected from the moment. And I don't mean from some mean or terrible behavior you did before, or they're still feeling emotional about something that was inappropriate that happened. I mean, things are just generally fine. What this feels like is spontaneous conflict. It comes from nowhere. The vibe, the energy, the mood is all good, but someone allows some poison from their mind to spill out and it looks like this. Your partner may suddenly get very quiet or upset or stonewall you or suddenly become offended or put out so many bad vibes that the whole car, or the whole room, or the whole situation just feels suddenly uncomfortable. Every one of us knows this feeling. Maybe you've been in a restaurant and you look over at another table and everything just feels tense and terse, even if nothing's happening. Usually someone is looking down or in a different direction or just on their phone. Sometimes a partner will start inventing or fabricating something in their own head and then start acting or behaving as though it were true. They'll start reacting to something that is not a part of reality, and I mean objective reality. They may also suddenly decide to be hurt by something or be upset by something that was not said or done or never even happened or is something from the past. The hardest thing about this kind of conflict is that the partner that this is happening to, who's on the receiving end of this kind of negativity, they might be trying to have a wonderful day still, and so they've got no clue what's going on or why this is happening. Sadly, it just feels to them like the day took a crap, 
like everything tanked, and now suddenly they find themselves answering questions or trying to explain themselves or defend themselves about something, and they don't even know why. It's like an inquisition, or they're constantly being questioned about something, or something is insinuated. When someone thinks a random thought like this and goes off the deep end, so often they'll just start spiraling, going down a rabbit hole in their own thoughts and inside of their own emotional soup. They're thinking, obsessing, focusing, pondering, and the thing is, is that usually this partner is thinking something that may not even have any bearing in reality. It's just completely false, but the secret sauce is that it occurred to them, or they felt it, or they feel it inside, so they think it's true. Sadly, sometimes a partner will begin to dwell, obsess, stare out the window, act like something is really wrong, but say nothing is. They'll just amplify negative energy. What are some other signs of this? Their breathing gets more shallow or stops. They begin to hold their breath. Even speaking to them becomes difficult or turns into an instant fight. It becomes a whole production. So as mentioned, often the other partner will have no idea what's going on. And so we'll say something like, are you okay? What's wrong? What's prompting this? Why are you so upset? Can you calm down? Did I do something? At which point, sadly, you will likely receive some sort of passive aggressive comment. Nope, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. It'll be fine. I'll get over it. I just need to suck it up. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. There's nothing wrong. So in other words, a display of blatant dishonesty, passive aggressive behavior, horrible communication. They may talk about something else that annoys them, but not the actual thing. And very, 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 very rarely, if ever, will the person actually say, I'm hurting about this. I'm feeling insecure about this, and I would like to talk about it. Isn't it peculiar that people talk about themselves all day, every day, but when it comes to actually being vulnerable or sharing some true aspect about what's going on inside of them, we fumble? I mean, heaven forbid we actually let our partner know what we're actually in pain about. This is where communication comes to a standstill. Can you imagine if instead of your partner picking a fight with you or making you feel really uncomfortable, they just said, hey, there's something that's been bothering me. I want to talk to you about it. Or, hey, I'm really hurting about this or that thing. Or imagine if your partner said, you know, I was just sitting here and then this thought popped in my mind and completely overcame me. Can we explore it? Can you soothe me a little bit? Can you actually help me or make me feel better? Who would say no to such things if they love their partner? And oh my God, to actually hear the truth? Wow, you're saying this and feeling this because you're insecure instead of putting it on me? Oh my. If I may be so bold as to share something personal, something I'm dying to hear from a partner is feedback like, you know, Tari, I know you just said points A, B, and C, but I heard 9237ABXYZ2RNQWP. And so... Uh, I'm wondering if that's true. I'm wondering if you meant what I heard. As opposed to just behaving as though that equation were true. If you blindside your partner in a negative way with something that you're upset about, it's highly likely that your partner will not only be clueless about what you're upset about, but they may get angry or frustrated as well. And so clear, precise communication about what you're actually feeling on the inside can help you avoid all kinds of conflict. And if you come at some of these problems in a loving way, your partner is going to be 10 times more likely to bend over backwards for you and listen to you, accommodate you, help you, and get you through it. But if they don't know where you're coming from, they don't know what's going on, they don't know why you're upset, 
And if something that you're saying is coming completely out of the blue or out of context, your partner probably has no idea what's going on. That is not them playing games or manipulating you or gaslighting you, God forbid. They simply don't live inside your head and don't know what the hell you're talking about. So when your partner feels like the rug has been swept out from underneath them or something is coming out of the blue, it's very natural for them to want to get upset or defensive because it seems like it's coming from nowhere. It's normal for someone who feels blindsided by negativity or an accusation or an insinuation to be confused, to say things like, I thought everything was fine. I thought we were doing just fine. Why are we suddenly in this argument? Why are we dissecting this? Or insisting on pinpointing accuracy on exactly who said what and who used what verbiage with what punctuation at what moment. It gets exhausting just thinking about it. Another big point of contention and where conflict arises is because someone believes that their feelings are facts or just because they feel it that therefore it's globally true or because they feel it so strongly, this must be intuition. But often it's not. In a few minutes, we'll dive deeper into it. But just because someone feels something does not make it true. And just because someone's feelings are telling them that there's something wrong does not actually mean that there's something wrong. Ideas like, well, I'm not getting a good feeling about this person right now, so maybe I should never talk to them for the rest of my life, so help me God. Something feels a little off about this person, so therefore he or she is instantly creepy. It feels like there's something amiss here or something off or that you're not being honest or you're not telling me the truth, so therefore you must be wrong, you must be lying because I feel like you are. I feel like this sounds a little strange to me. This isn't how I would do it, therefore you're wrong. Oftentimes, people are confusing their own real intuition with negative emotion, strange thoughts and feelings, insecurities, and even, on occasion, self-hatred. Negative emotion or a bad feeling or feeling funny about something doesn't even mean you should never, ever interact with this person or do this thing. It's my opinion that intuition most of the time comes in a subtle way. It's often gentle, quiet, and usually doesn't hit you like a ton of bricks. As usual, there are going to be exceptions to the rule and qualifiers here, right? If you're walking down a dark alley and something in your gut tells you to veer left and run, by all means, do it, and maybe you saved your life. But in day-to-day -day situations, simply feeling uncomfortable, discomfort, upset, or annoyed, or irritated, or getting a bad feeling does not always mean the worst-case scenario. Now, the hardest part of all of this is that many people on the planet feel like their feelings need to be validated all the time. In other words, whatever in the world they might be feeling, any emotion, no matter how bizarre or strange or different or off base, or even if it's fundamentally wrong, and especially if you're in a relationship with that person, they usually want you to say, yeah, your feelings are valid. You're allowed to feel this. It's okay that you feel this. I understand that you feel this way, but... Now, I'm the first person to say, pick your battles. If you can be empathetic, understanding, and you want to provide emotional support to your partner, by all means do it. It's wonderful to have this tool in your tool belt to, in fact, validate your partner's feelings. I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. Yes, you're allowed to feel this way. You're allowed to be upset. But this is not the only way that it should be done. So once again, for some arguments and disagreements, it might be very healthy to say, I see what you mean. I think we have a different opinion about this, but your feelings are valid. Ah, some people love to hear this. However, if someone feels that you did something that you completely did not do, 
or that you thought something that you have never thought or accused you of something that completely, fundamentally, categorically has never happened, there is absolutely no reason to validate your partner's or anyone's feelings if they are completely wrong. And I think it doesn't take much to realize that if every one of us went around and no matter who we encountered at a bar, at a coffee shop, at a restaurant, at work, at home, with our family, if all we did was run around validating everyone's feelings, you're allowed to feel this. I understand. I empathize. It's okay. Yes, you feel this way. For everyone's feelings, which for most people often change on a whim, which are never set in stone, if we tried to validate everyone's feelings around us anytime they felt discomfort or didn't like something, something that was shown on television, something that someone said, how many times a day can someone get offended, bothered, turned off, and put off? Infinite amount of times, infinitely upset, infinitely bothered. If we try to make someone feel better anytime they feel uneasy in any situation, we all have to recognize this is just an impossible task. Anyone who's artistic knows that some of our best work, some of our best performances, whether we like to admit it or not, have come from pain. Some of our strategies, our businesses, our solutions, the reason we have the products that we have today that we know and love and use are generally a result of someone being frustrated and upset and hurt and angry by how it was or how the system was or how people were. And so they set out to change it by creating something. Now, of course, I don't want you to feel discomfort if it's avoidable. I don't want you to be in writhing or excruciating pain. However, some pain, some discomfort is required for us to grow. Think of the pressure that's put on a diamond. So to tie this into interpersonal relationships, simply because one partner is having a bad feeling or doesn't believe something you say or is having a negative emotional response does not mean that you have to defend yourself tooth and nail and does not mean that you should feel like you're under pressure or under the gun to prove your innocence if you've done nothing wrong. If I'm in relationship with someone and they tell me, I'm feeling very sad and hurt right now, man, I want to know what that's about. And of course, I want to try to make them feel better. It will usually be followed with something like, well, is it about me? Is there something that I've done wrong? And if they say, yes, I'm hurt because I am absolutely, when possible, going to stop what I'm doing to see what I can do to help. However, if what they say is, I feel like you're having sex with someone else, just to pick something extreme, and this couldn't be farther from the truth for you, and you've already verified that you're not six million times, but they keep feeling it, at some point, it does not need to fall on the partner to constantly provide the burden of proof that nothing is going on. So I don't mind giving reassurance to a partner who needs it, but I believe that if you're in a situation where you're being accused or things are being insinuated about you that aren't true or someone is just thinking that you're doing things that you're not, there is no need to give their feelings any airtime. I think you can be patient and understanding and loving and say a few times, you know, listen, this is just not true. I'm happy to do anything I can to show it to you or prove it to you, but at some point we need to drop this. And it can't be 10 more explosions in or 50 more explosions in. You want to nip it in the bud. So I don't believe in giving airtime to feelings and emotions that are simply unfounded or not valid at all. Now, I know we can get nitty-gritty and say, well, isn't everything perspective and what's truth to one person could be a lie to another? Sometimes, 
Absolutely. But not in many cases of, for example, someone accusing you of being in a physical location where you never were, talking to a man or woman that you never spoke to, sleeping with, being with, interacting with, or even flirting with someone who you never even saw that day, that week, or that month. So let's give a real-world example. Let's say a partner says to you, I don't think you find me attractive. And you have given them endless compliments, genuine compliments, not always the same thing. You ravish them, you kiss them, you adore them, you show it every way you can. You appreciate who they are inside and out. But 17 to 50 times a week, you've got to endure commentary like, I feel like you don't think I'm pretty. I feel like you think I'm ugly. I feel fat. I feel unattractive. I feel like you don't want me or love me anymore. At some point, I don't think it's necessary to continue to give airtime to disempowering statements that are repetitive over time when you've lovingly squashed them, when you've worked through it. Heck, maybe you've been to therapy or coaching for it. It just doesn't serve the relationship. So while I do think it's extremely important to validate your partner's feelings from time to time for the important stuff, if someone sounds like a broken record or the same issues are coming up over and over again and there's no place where you could be in more integrity, the other person needs to change. Negative emotion and feelings about something are not always facts. Okay, so now let's talk about the distinction between paranoia and your actual internal guidance system. What does paranoia or catastrophizing or hallucinating or inventing stories look like? Being stuck in fight or flight? being stricken by fear, insecurity, or having lack of self-worth, not loving yourself, not thinking you're good enough, and therefore assuming someone would treat you poorly, past experiences where people have treated you poorly, and so therefore you think you know how all people are and assume your loving partner is going to treat you this way now. There is a huge, enormous, gigantic, categorical, fundamental difference between all of that overpowering, overwhelming noise and your real, authentic intuition. What is that? Your real intuition comes as a soft, subtle, gentle guidance, a little whisper, a tiny nudge, a little feeling that says, mm, maybe move in this direction, versus simply thinking that someone is lying to you because you trust no one or because your past five boyfriends or girlfriends have lied to you. If your MO for life is to trust no one, you're going to have bad feelings and bad intuition about everyone. Oftentimes what people mistake for intuition are simply bad past experiences in life where they've been hurt. You can also get a bad feeling about something and that may mean that for you this isn't right or you shouldn't participate in that event or you shouldn't go to that party, but that doesn't mean it's globally wrong or that it's wrong for someone else or what someone else is feeling or thinking is completely invalidated just because you have a bad feeling and have translated it to be a red flag. Sometimes conflict can even begin inside of a text message where everything is going great and then someone loses it or explodes or reads something the wrong way or completely shuts down. You could even be in a situation where everything is perfect once again. It's lively, it's fun, you're going back and forth, you're sending photos, you're talking about how awesome your day is. Maybe it's even a little more than you would normally text someone. But then, out of the blue, your partner hits you with something weird like, I guess you're gone, I guess you left, I guess you don't care about talking to me anymore, I guess you're no longer interested, I guess I lost you. 
You seem really distracted. It's obvious to me that you don't want to talk anymore, so I'm just going to go. Seems like you're not into this conversation. Seems like you're not into this relationship. Seems like you just moved on. Why didn't you answer my last text? Sometimes a client will show me their text thread and say, look how hard I'm trying. Look at how much effort I'm putting in to accommodate my partner. And then look at the partner's response or reaction. One person is trying to fix and solve and come back to a loving place while the other person is only interested in belittling or being right or arguing or being a stickler for details. Sometimes a partner will cherry pick responses just to amplify the negativity in the text or they'll hand select words or things that you said or moments to make it sound as though you've done something terrible. You won't believe it, but sometimes people even minimize all of the positive attributes and the positive aspects of a relationship because they are so hell-bent on the negative. And what's really sad is you can have a hundred positive aspects, but if you have a partner who's wrapped up on one or two negative things, it's almost like the incredible day that you had together, the incredible intimacy or sex or fine dining dinner that you went to. It's like it obliterates that because they're stuck on a sentiment or stuck on a thought. Once again, like a parasite. Sometimes people would rather be right than to just enjoy the relationship. They get stuck on correcting you or nitpicking a specific phrase or telling you, this isn't what you said. This isn't exactly what you said. You said something different five minutes ago. Now you're telling me this. And what they really should be listening for is just what your truth is. What do you mean? What were you intending to say? As opposed to just hammering someone with, that's not accurate. That's not right. That's not what you said. That's not what you said before. Now you're saying this. And there's sort of this constant scrutiny. Friends, you don't need to tolerate this in relationship, especially if you are a man or woman of integrity. It's incredible that you could be very desirous of your partner, really want to see them, spend time with them, and then one text message can send the whole thing down the drain. If you realize that you're engaging in psychological warfare with your partner instead of loving them and appreciating them, or being a supportive partner in the relationship, rather than tanking the conversation, disconnecting, starting an argument or throwing a wrench, rather than making things difficult or making yourself difficult to talk to or being done for the night or rejecting or ignoring or playing games, try simply asking a genuine question via text. Hey babe, is everything okay? Hey, are you still there with me? Hey, what's going on? Everything all right? Communication like this allows you to stay connected because you asked for what you wanted and you shared what you needed from a vulnerable perspective. Another area I want to throw in here because it feels appropriate is being aware of what you are texting. Are you asking what your partner is up to all the time, where they are, what they're doing? Letting them know, oh, I thought you said you were doing this, but now you're doing that. I thought you said this is what you wanted and now you're changing your mind. Are you always trying to keep tabs or point out or show them where they're wrong or look for problems in the relationship? If so, you're doing more damage than good. Because that kind of communication is only going to come off as controlling and very rarely are people ever going to be able to give you the answer that you're looking for. Can you imagine a world where your partner says, hey, I just got a funny feeling inside when I didn't hear from you after two to 10 minutes and I started to feel really insecure. So I picked up the phone to just get some validation from you. Could I get a little bit of reassurance or could you give me some compliments or let me know that you want to be in this relationship? Hey, when you texted me the two words, that's interesting, were you trying to be rude, 
snide, coy, and inconsiderate? Because that's how I took it, and I'm sure you didn't mean to, but I would love to hear some reassurance. When you're vulnerable this way, I could almost guarantee that your partner will say, oh my gosh, of course not. No, I didn't mean anything by that. I just meant to say blah, 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 and you can squash it. Sometimes we find ourselves in relationships where we're together for months or years or even decades, and we have demonstrated our trust and our stability and our honesty repeatedly, where we've been there for our partner, we've shown up for them. Maybe we go out of our way to accommodate and prioritize them. But sometimes in these relationships, and many of you will know, somehow still there isn't trust or there's doubt or you can just feel they don't believe the words that you're saying. So how does this look when these types of problems have been infesting a relationship for a very long time? Some people will point blank make accusations and say something like, oh, I know you're probably doing this or out doing that. I know you spoke to this person or slept with that person. Others have a little bit more of a sneaky way of doing it. It usually comes as an insinuation or a little bit more passive aggressively. They might say something like, oh, well, I thought you got rid of this already. I thought you weren't talking to that person anymore. Or, hmm, I see you haven't replied for hours. Swell, thanks. Followed by, cold, quiet, or distant behavior. Sometimes a partner will be extremely passive-aggressive by making snide, underhanded comments like, hope you had fun with him when you were by yourself last night. I know you were out with this person. Looks like you had a good night together when you were at home alone. Oh, I can totally tell this person is still into you and you're not over them yet. Seeming like they want you to defend yourself or making wild, harebrained accusations, but then when you actually defend yourself or show proof or give photographic or video evidence, Oddly, when you do, some partners will go so far as to say, I don't care, I don't want to look, I don't want to see, it doesn't matter, they may shun you, they refuse to look at you, they may clam up, they don't want to argue, they'll say they don't want to get into it with you right now, or I'm not going to go there with you right now, even though going there is exactly the thing that they just provoked. Oh my goodness, this is so important. So often people will throw a wrench or provoke a situation, and then when it becomes a discussion, it's... I don't want to argue. We're not going to talk about this. You're digging up the past and I'm over it. (laughs) To add insult to injury, this can often be followed by even more passive aggressive behavior, such as a text that may read, have a nice day. Nobody can stay calm indefinitely. Now, I want to sidebar here for a moment because I know many of you have got caught up, especially if you're a good person, you've got nothing to hide and you're feeling under attack or maybe like you're in trouble or accused of doing something wrong that you didn't, it may seem like the natural and logical thing to do is to defend yourself, especially if you've been accused of the same thing five, 10 or 20 times. And what's odd about relationships is sometimes defending yourself, especially from a a female perspective, will often make them place you in the hole even more. Your defense of yourself to them makes you appear even more guilty. Let's take something everyone will be familiar with, the idea or fear that your partner may be cheating or the fear that they may have eyes on someone else or be doing something shady or be up to no good. So if you ask your partner, uh, were you with someone last night sexually? And they say, my goodness, no, I was in bed sleeping. I was not out. I was asleep. But then you hit them with something like, hmm, interesting or cool story. Or, sure, anyway, have a great day. Or, dead silence. The person being accused is then going to very likely be annoyed or irritated because 
not only did they answer the question truthfully, but now their partner is still implying that they're lying or believing that there's something going on that you're not telling them. So if you feel prompted to defend yourself and you send, for example, a screenshot with a timestamp or some sort of photographic evidence that really, really indemnifies you, sometimes a partner will say, anything you say is BS, I don't buy it, that's not true, this could be a doctored photo, I see a flaw here and there. It's like you're on the witness stand. Feeling like all of your actions are under scrutiny is never fun and is never going to build trust. And so, friends, there are a couple things to note here. It's very easy to get caught up in the path of defending yourself, proving yourself, trying to show your partner that you're not wrong, trying to help them be less upset, noticing that they're upset all the time. Well, first of all, friends, you don't always have to defend yourself. You can flip it on them. You can stand in your truth. You can let them know, look, I've answered and I have nothing else to say. Number two, even if you ask a really calm, rational question and you handle it, very professionally and appropriately by saying, is there something you'd like to ask me? Is there something you maybe would like to know? What are you insinuating with these comments? When someone else is feeling negative emotion, even a very direct, clear line of questioning like this is often met with a nope. I don't want to talk about it. I've got nothing to say. Do you have something to tell me? And so on and so forth. Some people will even think that you have something to hide by inviting your partner to ask you a question if they think something is wrong. So I think sadly what we come to realize is with some people, there's just no way to get around bad or poor communication. There's no way to shift someone's perspective into believing you or trusting you or having faith if they're hell-bent on not doing it. And what we're talking about here is getting someone out of a really bad state or using disempowering vocabulary, disempowering beliefs, or purposely allowing themselves to get stuck in a place that they can't get out of. So either you just have to let it be, let the whole thing breathe, give them some space. In some cases, you may need to get out of that interaction and just leave and let them know, hey, I'm going to let this cool off. And in some cases, you may need to evaluate if you need to leave your relationship. Or you may need to get some professional or psychological help. Maybe something's missing. Maybe someone needs a diagnosis of sorts. And understanding what perhaps a very real mental health issue might be You can be a lot more understanding to someone's condition or situation or empathetic towards them. But otherwise, you've got to come back to it when they're in a different state of mind. Because when your partner is seeing red, when they're angry or hurt or are hallucinating wild ideas that are far, far, far from the truth, maybe even making up stories in their head about things that you're not doing, there's not a whole lot in the world that you can do about it. Just like that very familiar feeling that we all know all too well, When we're expecting someone to come home or call and they haven't, or they come home super late, or you haven't heard from them in an hour or two or ten, and we panic. We worry. We think something terrible happened. We go through all these stories in our head. We assume the worst, think the worst, and we think, gosh, if they haven't passed away, then they must be cheating on us with five different people. It feels like nothing in the moment can actually turn you around until the call comes in until the person shows up and it's like, yeah, it was fine. It was a dead battery. But then once you actually realize they're fine, everything is okay. Sometimes you need to take a little space, let your brain calm down and reconfigure. Another perspective I really like for handling conflict is to simply think, 
Where are you focusing right now? What side of the fence are you on? Are you being positive or negative? Are you focusing on the small amounts of garbage in your relationship or are you focusing on what's working? Do you trust your partner or do you not? And if you don't, do you need to get out of this relationship or marriage or are there steps you can take to work on it? At some point, you have to make a choice in your relationship. Am I in or out? If I'm in, do I believe them or not? If you're going to stay in something, then there has to be trust honesty, open communication. True intuition will always serve you, but paranoia, fear, insecurity, nervousness, bad boy relationships in the past, and bad exes can always taint your emotions. Everything colors and shapes your stomach turning sour or getting a bad vibe or feeling really uncomfortable with someone, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they've done something wrong. That's a big one. Sometimes, despite your best efforts and your positive reinforcement and your winning attitude, you may discover that you just have a partner who's stormy. Sometimes they just won't let things get back to a better place. They actually like to keep things in negativity or stewing. And no matter how often you try to drive the conversation back to something positive or let it go, they want to stay on it. Sometimes it can feel really hostile. You got to be careful here because this can spiral off into making you act like a puppy dog. Well, how about this? Can I bring you some food? Can I rub your shoulders? Can I help you out? Can I listen to you? And each time the person's like, nope, 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 nope. I don't want that. I don't need that. I don't need any of your help. But they're so clearly upset. And so it's almost like they're biting the hand that feeds them. What can you do to help them in that moment? Nothing. When you're dealing with someone like this, sometimes you have to realize that maybe you've done your best or they're not built that way or you've got to give it some room. Maybe there isn't more that you can do right now and you need to either leave the situation be or move on with your day, night, or life. You can back up or give space and you need to evaluate if you can deal with someone who's probably going to be like this or worse for the rest of their life. It's natural to get defensive if you've told your partner the same answer over and over again over days, weeks, and months and your answer hasn't changed but they refuse to believe it. And so when it turns loud or gets ugly or name-calling gets involved or you say things that you don't mean to one another, sometimes the accusing partner will actually double down and think, aha, your reaction, you being upset, is now proof that I'm right because you're getting mad and you're getting defensive. How many of you have had that happen? Someone pushes you and pushes you and pushes you. You explode or you have a bad reaction or you say something you don't mean and they think, I knew it, I knew it because if you didn't do it, you would just be calm and peaceful. But what's at play here is you've got a partner who's been provoking you a little too much, so you're having a very natural reaction. Sometimes you will come across a partner who thinks that no matter what they say to you, no matter what they do to you, no matter how they come across or no matter what their bad behavior is, that you should be infinitely patient with them. No matter how many times they screw up, No matter how many times they keep making a bad mistake, no matter how many times they keep repeating a pattern from you, well, they expect you to never raise your voice, never be mean, never name call, never be cruel, never have a bad reaction to just be forgiving and patient. Well, this is a tough, if not impossible ask for anybody to accommodate. For most people, it's going to be very difficult to communicate their emotions calmly and cleanly for the 150th time. 
So if sometimes you find that your voice escalates a little bit or you get upset or you get a little more intense, these are normal reactions or normal emotions. You don't have to be minimized or put in a corner or be told to keep quiet or shut up because you're actually feeling your emotions now. No one can be endlessly virtuous when someone continues to poke. Sometimes your partner will feel like they are an armchair psychologist and begin to diagnose your bad reactions to their bad behavior because now they think they're seeing the signs, the telltale signs of your fill-in-the-blank, narcissism, psychopathy, etc. This may come out as, oh, you took a pause before you answered my question. That must mean that you're lying. Oh, you got defensive because I've asked you this 600 times and you've always given me the same answer, but I keep asking, but your defensiveness is textbook. You must be the narcissist. And that's why I just keep coming back to this idea of where is your focus and your attention? Does your predominant focus rest on what's wrong, what's not working, lack, accusations, assumptions, implications, catching someone in a lie, looking for the negative? Or do you embellish and focus on the wonderful times that you have together? Talk about it, exalt it. Don't just have a great day. Talk about it for one, two, three days afterwards for months to come. Can you be a little lighter or playful or take a joke or be a little softer on a technicality or detail that you think is missing or left out from the conversation? What can you do? Surrender, take a breath, give in to love, give someone the benefit of the doubt. All of these are critical keys into letting stuff flow to not get caught or stuck on endless, endless, silly bickering. Do you love your partner? Are you attracted to them? Do you want the best for them? Do you like them and respect them and cherish them? Do you want this relationship to work? Are you in this? If you enjoy each other's company and you love each other, focus on it. Can you even remember the last thing you thought about? Aren't the arguments usually trite even though they feel so significant in the moment? For me, a really healthy relationship does not look like someone else always saving the day or one partner always coming to the rescue or conceding or giving in. And it certainly doesn't look like someone being upset all of the time. It doesn't look like always feeling doubt, insecurity, uncertainty, or worry. But it's more about when both people are invested in each other and you take steps to make that so. You give each other the benefit of the doubt. You give each other love and reassurance when appropriate. You ask for help when you need it, and you ask questions that aren't incendiary or accusatory. Hey, this made me feel a certain way. Is it true that, hey, I really got hurt the way you said that. Did you mean to say it this way in a tone that your partner can respond to, and you'll be shocked by the results? In most arguments, there's a perceived fear or insecurity about being abandoned or being lied to or being tricked there's usually something seething underneath that may not even be happening in your now experience. And I know there are exceptions to the rule. We all know there are people out there who lie, manipulate, cheat, etc. But it's really important to be able to distinguish the garbage, the nonsense, the bickering, the stuff that you go back and forth on that just doesn't matter. And what a waste of life. We have these incredible minds and bodies that we can do so much with. Breathe, play, smile, dance, sing, walk, get out in nature. There's so many other things to be focused on as opposed to criticizing or picking at or worrying about what's going on with your partner. Goodness gracious, I know that was a little much. And if you made it this far, thank you very much for enduring this podcast. I know it's not easy to listen to again. It's taken a little bit of a turn from the usual sexual, sensual intimacy talk, but it's an important episode. And so with that, 
Thank you for listening. This episode has probably been on the back burner for maybe close to four years, so I hope you've gotten something from it. If what I shared resonated with you and you want to hear a little bit more or go deeper on more intimate, sexual, and sensual subjects, I'd strongly recommend checking out some other episodes. You can listen to the Closeness Podcast everywhere. Spotify, YouTube Music, YouTube, Apple, Deezer, iHeart, and in your Tesla. To join me for a session, please visit craveclosenesscom or get started by filling out an intake form at craveclosenesscom forward slash intake. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.